The Padres and the Giants are constructed very differently and had very different off-seasons, but by some projection systems like Zips, they come in with somewhat similar projected win totals. And so we're going to discuss each team's off-season and outlook for 2023 next. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and on this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thank you for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. And coming up on today's show, I'm going to be talking with Javier Reyes, the host of Locked on Padres. We're going to discuss each team's offseason, of course, the Giants with Correa and Judge and all that disappointment, but then actually what they did accomplish and where that leaves them going into 2023, the Padres getting Xander Bogarts, but... At the same time, their future looking a little bit more and more in doubt with some key opt-outs like Manny Machado coming up and Juan Soto in a couple years reaching free agency as well. And so all of that and then projecting how are these teams going to do in 2023, we'll get into it next. Here's our conversation. We got to get started with this chat. As I alluded to, the Padres, and this could just be me and my own naivete, Right. I did not expect the Padres to be the team that was talked about with the exception of the New York Mets, probably the New York Yankees because of Aaron Judge and Carlos Rodon to be the team that everyone was talking about. This is a team that heading into 2021 was a little bit of a sleeper. Right. They had an underwhelming 2021, to say the least. And then they go into 2022. They shock the world. They make the playoffs. They beat two 100 win teams. And my thing was, all right, let's get all those tertiary peaches, uh, pieces, peaches. My God. Um, and, and I was like, oh, maybe like a, a Michael Conforto who we're going to be talking about in a little bit. You know, maybe those type of players. And then they go out and not only do they extend Robert Suarez, which was a, a shocking moment within and of itself. They extend you Darvish. They do all these things. They go out and sign Xander Bogarts to an enormous deal. And even before that happens, they were rumored to be in on Aaron Judge, too. And they even offered Trey Turner a whole bunch of money. And that that's just like it it shows you that really i mean we've been doing this podcast and crossover for years now i've been talking to you forever just waiting like when are they going to like calm down you know when are they just going to be like all right maybe i won't do a trade this offseason i'm still waiting for another trade from aj peller but then on the giants side of things they were rumored to be all the way in on aaron judge we could talk about arson judge that whole kerfuffle right all of the he's in san francisco he's he's got the instagram story and then the carlos correa ordeal and i think personally the first thing i want to ask you is was the giants this uh, offseason that disappointing or do you think it was overblown just a tad bit because they did end up with at least some players and i think they can say that while a lot of other teams can't say the same. They didn't do anything this offseason. So what do you think? 
I mean, it really is a combination of both. I think it, it it's like profoundly disappointing, especially like it's one thing to pursue a guy like Judge and then he goes back to the Yankees, which always seemed like the most likely outcome, even though the Giants really were interested and it felt like they had a, a real shot given that he grew up a Giants fan like an hour and a half away from San Francisco. It's one thing to miss out on a guy like that who just goes back to the Yankees. But the whole Correa thing, I mm. mean... And mm. thinking you have him, I mean, you relate a little with the Max Scherzer kind of Ken Rosen's mm-hmm. all premature Scherzer to the <laughs> Padres uh, ordeal. So, but I mean, for Correa, we thought we had him for a week. A whole week went by yeah. between the the uh, reported deal, three hundred fifty million dollars over thirteen years. I'm already kind of forgetting exactly the terms. It was three fifty uh, over twelve or thirteen years, and than to have it fall apart the day he was scheduled to have his press conference. So we're sitting there waiting like a few hours away or maybe even less than that uh, to have him introduced at the stadium. And that's when we hear just this kind of cryptic message. The, uh, the press conference is postponed with no explanation. And then later that night, he's on the Mets. I mean, and then that didn't last either. So that whole mm. situation was insane. But like you said... If you just kind of take out the emotion of all of that and look at objectively what did they do, they added, they brought in, including bringing back Jock Peterson, seven kind of quality players, none of whom are on the level of a Correa or a judge. I mean, you've got guys with upside, like you mentioned, Michael Conforto. So overall, I think it was a solid offseason, but the, the, just the turmoil and and really it felt like the time was now for the Giants to do more of what mm-hmm. the Padres have been doing for several years now, which is kind of overextend themselves and go out and get that impact star level player. And they really, really tried. But ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, it feels like, you know, getting your toy taken away from you on Christmas, you know, mm-hmm. it, it just it stinks. But when all is said and done, I think they should be all right but it doesn't make it any less difficult. Yeah. And you allude to the Ken Rosenthal thing, which is true, but I only had to suffer with that to be honest for 24 hours. And I, st- I will talk to the day I die. I still remember no pass and tweet after it for like two hours that I was getting nervous. I was like, something's wrong here. <laughs> this is weird. Like why has it passed and tweeted out? But with the giants, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, he was Correa was literally like about to give his introductory press conference. Like, it was this whole drama-filled offseason, and and I agree. They did add some quality players. They added my boy, Sean Mania, you know what I mean, who was mm-hmm. – last time I saw him, I, he was certainly not my boy. Uh, but, you know, they at least added players. And I think there's a lot of teams this offseason that did not at all. And I think that they should be absolutely um, blamed for that. And I don't think this is a – uh, I call it the Danny Ainge effect where teams leak to reporters or it gets out. They really tried though. They really tried for this guy. And then for some reason that goes out for six years and people don't catch on to the fact that they're just saying that the giants literally gave Correa all that money. Like that happened. So mm-hmm. you have to also expect that they also try to get Aaron judge. So it wasn't a lack for trying. And I think that that's kind of like one benefit. If you're looking at it from the giants perspective is, well, they did try. Um, And this is a team that has a bunch of money that they're ready to spend. It was being talked about for a whole year and their farm system isn't quite as uh, like loaded as I think maybe people thought it was going to be at one point. So at least they did something. And again, like we just had the Brewers last week, nickel and dime, 
like the best pitcher in the National League probably over 800k. So if from that perspective, Giants fans, from someone sitting far away, I know it's easy for me to say now that Xander Bogarts is on my team, I would at least look at it from that perspective, that they clearly tried. And hey, who knows? Uh, maybe they're just saying, hey, let's look to next year. There's some there's some good free agents next year. There's always some good players. So I don't know. I just felt like at least they did something. And I think that Michael Conforto is going to finish top six in MVP voting. That's my prediction. <laughs> Ooh, that would be, you know, they, they would take that. But you know, a lot of Giants fans have grown weary of the opt-outs that they've given to a lot of players. Like mm-hmm. Carlos Rodon, you know, as great yeah. as he was, he really was as good as they possibly could have hoped last year. But, you know, the the way that the contract was, they expected him to be good. And if he was good, he was going to opt out. And if he was going to opt out, they probably weren't going to bring him back. And so I think Giants fans have also grown a little bit tired of that when you compare it to Xander Bogarts and Manny Machado, although he has his own opt-out coming up, which is something I want to talk about later. Yeah. But, you know, that was like, what, five years into the deal, there's an opt-out. So, you know, Conforto has an opt-out after year one. Mitch Hanniger has an opt-out after two years. Sean Manaya has an opt-out after one year. Ross Stripling has an opt-out after one year. And so <laughs> I think people are tired of, like, kind of cycling through players. I believe it, it leads to, you know, you got – and a season of an ace and you don't have to take on the risk like with Carlos Rodon of a long-term deal for pitchers who often break down. Yeah. Uh, and so there's like benefits to it, but also from a fan's perspective, you don't get to like grow attached to the players in the same way you do when you find out we've just signed Xander Bogarts for what is it? 11 years, $280 million. <laughs> right. And you're just like, all right, well, if I want to buy, if I'm a fan, I could buy that jersey and I can wear it for 11 years and, you know, we're good. Whereas Rodon, it's like, I don't want to spend my money on a jersey for a guy who's going to be here one year and then leave. And so the Giants, they needed some more, someone to like anchor, be the like face of their team. And and they tried. I mean, they offered Judge reportedly the exact same deal that he ended up taking from the Yankees, nine years, 360. And so Mm -hmm. they did not lowball him at all. That's a record contract in in total money and average annual value at 40 million a year, which is just, I mean, Bogarts and Correa and all these guys, they're in the high twenties in terms of AAV and, and they offered judge 40 a year and he's already 31. So they did try. They absolutely but, did, sir. Yeah, they absolutely yeah. did. But before we continue talking about maybe my team's offseason, because I know you have some questions prepared regarding uh, Mr. Xander himself and I will be happy to answer them, but while it is spring training and whatnot, and you know we're in the middle of the spring training, we're also in the middle of the NBA season. I don't know if you knew that, Ben. Stuff is happening. People are complaining about players moving. Speaking of players that are going to be gone after a year, people are complaining about that with basketball and whatnot. But I promise you, over at FanDuel, they can make basketball very exciting, very fun, because they help you out with all sorts of wagers, all sorts of bets, whatever you want. They've got you there. America's number one sports book. And... New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. I will be checking that out personally. I'm not the biggest gambler in the world, but, you know, they've got everything you want. If you want to bet on Jason Tatum for MVP, go for it. If you want to be a boring person and just bet on Jokic to win MVP, you can do that too. Whatever you want. Maybe you want a sleeper. uh, We got... San Francisco Giants been on here. I don't know. Maybe you want to bet on 
who the heck is on the Warriors? Jordan Poole to win six man of the year or something like that? I don't know, but they've got stuff for you. Let me tell you. Uh, so go check that out, guys. No sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Then now it's your turn to ask me because we've spent a lot of time on the Giants, which I, I would still like to talk about them. I genuinely believe Michael Conforto is going to be awesome. I think that this is, um, while it is the opt-out thing is a thing, um, I look at the the Padres team and I say, yeah, I mean, you have those reports coming out about Heim Bloom from the offseason, which is another reason why the Xander signing made me so happy. I got to see this Red Sox fans cry. You know, not only do I get to drink the Dodger fan tears, which I've been doing for like four months now, I also get the Red Sox people and and Heim Bloom apparently being shocked that he wasn't going to accept like one hundred ninety million dollars. Again, incredible stuff going on in baseball from a comedic perspective, if you're twisted like me. Um, but what do you want to ask about the Padres? Because I imagine that, you know, they had a super big offseason. And this is if you told someone 10 years ago, hey, the Padres are the one, not the Giants, <laughs> right? Not the T-backs, not the Rockies, the Dodgers a little bit. But if the Padres would be the team, I imagine that that would shock a whole lot of people. It would. And and my question, I, I want to take like a big picture view because what I'm mm-hmm. seeing from the Padres, and maybe this is just what I'm hoping that I'm seeing from the Padres <laughs> as a biased <laughs> Giants fan, yeah. but I'm seeing some trouble down the road not right now i think right Mm -hmm. now with tatis coming back we'll see how that goes how he performs and kind of reintegrates with the team because i know that you know he hasn't pleased a lot of people there with his behavior over the Mm -hmm. last with the motorcycle and the pe you know which which accident which motorcycle accident and then the (laughs) peds (laughs) <laughs> that's uh, still amazing that he said that which was a wild boy i cannot believe he just let that slip out which one he was trying to be funny about it too it was like oh it's my like, god dude. oh my god <laughs> so you know we'll see how that goes but i mean obviously he's an incredible talent or he you know he was and we'll see if he can get back to it when he comes back off the suspension mm-hmm. but uh i'm also seeing you know you darvish extended to be, yeah. you know, he's already pretty old and you give him a pretty long five more years, I think, on top of this upcoming year. So six mm-hmm. total, right? Mm-hmm. Um, into what is he going to be like 42 when the contract expires, something like that. Yeah. And then Blake Snell, is this the last year of his deal coming up right now? Yes, this is the last deal. Last, last year. year. Deal, mm-hmm. Last year of Snell. And then Machado has the opt out. And then Soto, who I think, you know, a Boris client who just, they just typically don't agree to extensions before free agency. And so there's a scenario out there where, where Snell is gone after a year where Machado opts out and possibly leaves. They possibly bring him back, but possibly leaves. And then Soto, the possibility yeah. that he reaches free agency and leaves. And then all of a sudden, Xander Bogarts is in his mid-30s. You Darvish is pushed in 40. Mm-hmm. And you've got Tatis. So I just wonder, I know that sustainability, there's like all this articles written about the owner talking about he doesn't want to hear about sustainability and all that. Mm-hmm. But I'm just as good as they are now, like 2023 mm-hmm. on paper. Like, I guess the, there's so many questions there. Like, do you think Manny Machado might leave? 
is the, is kind of my first question with this. He said he's going to opt out in another five years that he'd be mm-hmm. opting out of. What is your feeling about the future of Manny Machado and if he's going to be back in San Diego? I am leaning more towards that he'll stay. I think that the ones. The Juan Soto thing, I think that I talked about that. Xander Bogart, some of the deals that they've given, one might view that as them hedging their bets, them saying, all right, if we can't bring in Manny, we still can go negotiate with Soto. We can negotiate with all these other players, which is fine. I think, though, in the end, I tend to lean on the side of, look, Juan Soto, I mean, it's. I think it's good that the Nationals traded him in quotes because I really do think that that team had absolutely nothing. And they have these giant albatrosses in Strasburg and Corbin. And they still offered him that $455 million offer. That's not terrible. This is not like, you know, uh, Brian Reynolds getting offered six years, 60 million or whatever the heck it was, right? Like this is an actual offer. And they said, all right, might not be the best smart baseball decision, but this guy is a superstar. So let's have him stay here. And he declined. I think that that was not a terrible offer. And given all the contracts the Padres have, given Tatis, given um, Xander Bogarts, given Darvish, given Musgrove, given all these guys, it wouldn't, and Robert Suarez, it wouldn't surprise me if they're like, all right, we're probably not going to be able to match that. Instead, we're just going to view this as we're going to get two and a half years of a player. Half of it was a little bit disappointing by his standards, but he was still great. Two potentially MVP top three player and not just the NL, but possibly baseball. And we think that's worth it because we want to go for it now. And we're still ready to spend money, even if it isn't on him necessarily. I think Manny wants to stay. I think that it's kind of one of the dumber things we do is overlooking into, oh, he's going to leave. He's going to do. Everyone said Aaron Judge was going to leave. In our own locked on DM, we're like, he's a giant. (laughs) Like it just happened. Everyone's like, he's a giant. And then he ends up resigning. I think that hometown discount doesn't exist in the sense of they will take significantly less money. I think it exists in a sense where they're like, yeah, I'll listen to you guys first, though, because I really do want to be here. And you get like the first and final offers. I think that part might be real, but you can't pull what the Red Sox did, right? You can't like say, how about $60 million less to stay? No, I think you could do what happened with Joe Musgrove, who same thing before entering 2021. Everyone was wondering a contract year. Are they going to extend him? And they end up doing it. And he probably took like 10 million less. Maybe it depends what would have happened on the open market, but he was cool with that. Cause he truly wanted to stay. So that's kind of how I view it. And even still two years with Soto is still awesome. And I don't know if you saw the fan graphs list come out today that had Jackson Merrill as a top 10 prospect in baseball, which is awesome. Um, I'm really excited about that for sure. Um, I don't know. I think that in the end, there are some concerns um, but I'd rather have those concerns than be some of these other teams that are more concerned with with money, unfortunately. Um, but there's definitely some there's an area, there's a universe in which Tatis is what all the things that you said. Maybe they don't bring back Machado. Soto leaves. Darvish doesn't age well. You know, it's it's possible. And even Xander Bogarts, this is a guy who only hit 15 home runs last year. Um, it's his highest ground ball rate since 2016. So there are at least some potential fears there. I'm not as concerned because he's been good for like a decade, but even still, there's definitely a world where this turns out poorly. And I don't think the Padres should be so bullish as to do the thing they've been doing on Twitter lately, which is yelling at everyone that voices any sort of concerns about their roster. Have they been doing that? I haven't noticed They that. did that with Tatis. Someone wrote such a thoughtful, well, like done researched article on Fernando Tatis Jr. for this year 
not years ahead. They were just like, expect, you know, we, we've looked at it. WRC plus look, let's look at all the people that had the same injury. It went down by like 10 points, which isn't even that bad, by the way. Oh, because he starts <laughs> you know from I mean? such a high level. Yeah, yeah. It's like, he's a one fifty to one thirty. It's like, that That still sounds pretty good, man. So the Padres Twitter, gets a little bit uh, defensive sometimes on things, I think. And speaking of that's actually funny. Cause my next question was about defense. That's another thing. I'm I'm like giving you the tough questions because obviously the I think the Padres are maybe even better than the Dodgers at this point for 2023, uh, and some of the projections agree with that. In fact, on you mentioned FanGraphs, they have uh, using an average of steamer projections and Zips projections, mm-hmm. they have the Padres as like four or five games ahead of the Dodgers in the division right now, uh, which you know would be if hey if the Giants aren't going to win it. I'd rather the Padres than the Dodgers, so I'd be I'd be cool with that. But of course, the Giants number one by mm-hmm. far for me. But defense, I just that's part of where I have some questions and like concerns about what they're doing, like because they're moving people around. You've got mm-hmm. Tatis was the shortstop, but then the the injuries with the shoulder, right? Yes, is it? Yeah, so they're they don't want to make in so many throws and competitive hard throws and so they're moving him to the outfield and also the part of the reason of moving him to the outfield to me initially was like you've got a good really good defender in Hassan Kim at shortstop mm-hmm. but then they go out and they get Xander Bogarts who's a shortstop and probably <laughs> a lesser defensive shortstop mm-hmm. than Kim who's I think one of the best shortstops defensively in the game mm-hmm. so you're moving Bogarts to short and then it's like You've got Cronenworth, who's a who's a good second baseman defensively, and you're moving him to first base, and and Hassan Kim to second, and so mm-hmm. there's just so many guys who are moving to me mm-hmm. to like less than ideal defensive positions. I think Cronenworth could probably be fine, if not good defensively at first, but I think he has more value because his bat is not like true impact bat. I think he's a good offensive second baseman, but the bar at first base is higher. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that's why your big boppers often play first. I know from Hosmer, it's a huge upgrade in a lot of ways. <laughs> and I know yeah. we could go talk on and on and about that. But like, I think you're decreasing the value of Cronenworth by moving him to first. Mm-hmm. You're decreasing the value of Kim somewhat by taking away the fact that he's an elite defensive first baseman. And then maybe it gets, I don't know. And then Tatis in the outfield, do we really know if he's even going to yeah. do well there? Mm-hmm. Like. So just because you're a good athlete does not always mean you're going to be a good outfielder. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's kind of a wild man just in the way he plays. And maybe he's a little over aggressive or something. I don't, I don't know. Uh, and so I just wonder, what do you think about all these kind of moves they're making defensively to accommodate pieces that while great players, like they're just moving to kind of weird spots sometimes. It's a great point. In fact, I actually was thinking of doing a whole episode on this because Everyone on the Padres, with the exception of Manny Machado, basically, is seemingly going to be, and Trent Grisham, probably going to be playing a different position. They just said that Juan So is going to be in left field. I don't know if that maybe will be a boost for him, considering he was literally one of the worst defenders in the game last year. I think that's, I'm not as concerned with that. I think that that was weird. I don't know how you go from like 90th percentile outs above average to one. <laughs> I just, it's right. gotta be some sort of middle ground there. I don't know what happened. I, I don't know if he was lollygagging. I don't know if he was just so excited to be with the Padres. He forgot the ball just sailed over his head. I don't know. But 
with Jake Cronenworth, it's a good point. I still think he can play first decent enough. He's made some good snags before. And like you mentioned, I will literally take a bag of sun chips over Eric Hosmer at first base these days, like anything whatsoever. But hey, Josh Bell, not a bad defensive first baseman. So that was one thing about him that I thought was interesting um, to see if whether or not they were going to bring him back. They didn't. Cronenworth, not terrible, though. That's my big thing, right? Outs above average, it's minus one. Defensive run saved, it's minus one. Not the worst in the world. I'm really curious to see what he does in a greater sample size. And knowing that he's going to be the first baseman is going to be interesting, even if he doesn't have that typical build or stats and output that first baseman usually do, which is just a ton of power and whatnot. We'll see. Hassan Kim, great question. I don't know what's going to go on there. Again, there's just so many like questions. Where's Matt Carpenter going to play, right? We didn't even talk about him. And mm-hmm. they brought in Nelson Cruz to probably be a DH. Or heck, maybe they'll make him play first base sometimes. I don't know. Um, there are a lot of questions there for sure. And with Xander Bogarts, never been a super stud defensive player. His thing was been has been, hey, this is a dude who is the steadiest bat, arguably in all of baseball, with the exception of maybe like a, a Freddie Freeman, guys like that. And last year, the big question with Bogarts is he had a great defensive year. Five outs mm-hmm. above average, five defensive runs saved. But he'd never done that before. He's had minus 10 before. He's had minus 16, right? Like he's had some really bad defensive numbers just from the 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 tertiary kind of look at it. So I'm curious to see, did he transform himself or was this like a random contract year cleaned up his defense thing? That I'm really interested to see. But uh, yeah, it's it shouldn't be something that should be dismissed. The idea that just the fundamental thing of change and so many guys changing around their position with the exception of Manny and Grisham, that should be taken into account. Cronenworth from second to first. Hassan Kim to second base. Xander Bogarts, I guess, at shortstop, so that'll be interesting. And I'm not I'm not even t- totally convinced that he won't play second. I know that they've said that he's going to play short. I'm not totally convinced that that's the case. I- I'm curious. Tatis in right field, right? Soto in left field. There's so many different questions, not to mention the bench. So it is the one, arguably the biggest question about the starting lineup. Uh, in terms of the tertiary parts, we have to see what happens with spring training. But yeah, it's it's a great point, man. And it's I don't think that we should just chalk up all of these guys, especially like you mentioned with Tatis, that the athleticism will just carry him. It just means that there's potential there. I don't know if he's going to be great, and it's definitely a question mark. Yeah, and I I mentioned it coming off a year when the Giants were just so bad <laughs> defensively. <laughs> we'll spit out your drink there. <laughs> I mean, and part of it is like, okay, we obviously know in 2021, the Giants won 107 games. So not a, not a lot went wrong that year. A lot of the same players mm-hmm. came into 2022 and just defensively, <laughs> I mean, in every aspect of their game, but in, especially oh defensively, God. they were so bad. Uh, like, everybody, you know, Juan Soto up. type. Everybody Wait, go real ahead. quick. Everybody real quick. Go look up. Ben and I did a crossover before the first time the Padres played. The Padres, you talked about, you know, are they going to keep this up? Did they just have a good start? And one of the things you mentioned was how bad the Giants defense was in regard to Alex Cobb and why his ERA was inflated. And you were like, it's crazy. I just watched these games and it's weird, dumb errors. And so many weird, dumb errors happened that very (laughs) next series. It was wild. Like, it's like you predicted it. But anyway, if anybody wants to go check that out. It happened all season. It was nuts. It was just like kind of uncanny. And so. I just I wouldn't take for granted the possibility of weird mm-hmm. defensive stuff happening and how it can derail a season, uh, uh, you know, 
when you've got guys in weird defensive spots and maybe spots they haven't played before and spots that are not totally ideal for them. So just something to look out for. I think we both agree. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have another question about the Padres, mm-hmm. which Go is the it. starting rotation is weird. It is very weird. <laughs> you've got like three kind of good established frontline type major league starters in Musgrove, Darvish, and Snell. Obviously, extending Darvish, big deal, because he and Snell are both going to reach free agency, and now Darvish is locked up, but he is older. Uh, Musgrove, I think there's it was a great extension. Local guy, good pitcher, great pitcher. Did really well in the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. And then Snell. Mm-hmm. Okay, but the question is after those guys, because until yeah. you just signed um, Michael Waka recently, mm-hmm. it was two guys who are like, you're taken out of the bullpen – to mm-hmm. put in the starting rotation. And then I'm mm-hmm. just seeing like, it's thin, it's thin. Mm-hmm. And it, like, imagine even just losing one of the big three, but especially imagine losing two of those guys, Snell yeah. and Darvish mm-hmm. go on the IL. What are you looking at then in the starting rotation? And do you think uh, that it's Nick Martinez, right? And um, Seth Lugo, Seth Lugo, who's been mm-hmm. a reliever for a long time, a good one, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's a gamble to me. And it seems like, a lot of risk uh, if 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 there's some injuries in that rotation. There's a lot of domino effect going on with the Padres for sure, um, especially when it comes to pitching. There's a world in which Drew Pomerantz comes back and he's great. So they're like, all right, cool. We can use Nick Martinez and Seth Lugo as starters. Maybe we do a piggyback thing where they both combined are the fifth starter. That's totally possible. They, they did that a little bit last year with, I think, um, with Mike Clevenger at one point. Um with somebody else. I forgot who was the, the back end. I think they did that with him and Martinez. So Martinez at least has a little bit of experience, although not great experience. His ERA spikes over four. It's it's not as good. He can't get as many strikeouts. Bullpen, he's shown that he was significantly better. And same thing with Lugo. I think it's a domino effect thing. I think if Adrian Monahon comes into spring training and finally can, can kind of talk about this on my podcast, seize on the talent of his fastball, develop a better pitch mix. I think that that could, they just need guys to eat innings. Uh, and just be effective because I think the bullpen could be one of the best in the league. I think a lot of people are projecting that. And then you have, you know, Ryan Weathers who we haven't seen in forever. And he was a mess in triple a. If video suggests he has some new, you know, pitching form, right? Like he's got a new stride to it. I don't like overlooking to those things. If that guy steps up, if Jay groom who, Oh man, if we got anything from the Hosmer trade to the Red Sox, if Jay Groom is literally anything, I will laugh so hysterically all season long. It would be amazing. Um, so really, they're just hoping for someone to come out. But guys like Brent Honeywell, Julio Tehran, feels like the book is out on those guys. But like you said, absolutely. If anything happens, and they were pretty healthy last year, it's something that shouldn't be dismissed as the Pirates were had like a decent amount of health aside from Tatis. Like they were a pretty healthy team overall. They didn't They didn't get crippled by injuries so much. So you do have to worry about that. I'd argue every team does, but there is a scenario in which you're like, oh my God, it's Joe Musco versus the world. <laughs> We're starting Julio Tehran tonight against the Dodgers. What's going to happen? So yeah, it's definitely a concern, but I will say with the aforementioned Jackson Merrill, just rising in the rankings, AJ Peller is incapable of not making a trade. You know, he just, he can't help it. He just can't, he just can't help it. So I think that that is another thing that could happen at the deadline is they can go out Whatever starter is breaking out, whatever Corbin Burns, right? If he's super disgruntled because the Brewers are ridiculous, not impossible. So that's what I would kind of expect. 
Yeah, you can't rule them out at any trade deadline or in any offseason, apparently, to make that big move. And what's so interesting, just to kind of finally like compare yeah. these two teams, I think that what's so interesting is that the Giants are kind of the opposite in that they don't have that like top-tier talent, per se. You've got, obviously, Logan Webb is really good, mm -hmm. and you've got some good players there. Uh, but... The Giants' starting rotation, just by comparison, is so deep that they've got yeah. like Anthony DiScalfani, who had a one yeah. a three point one seven ERA in twenty twenty one last year, had a, had an ankle injury, only made five starts, but he projects into the bullpen along with Jacob Junis, who made a lot of starts for them last year, and it was actually pretty good in that starting role. Kind of tailed off at the end of the season, but those are two guys who project into the bullpen because they've got uh, Webb and Cobb and Wood and uh Manaya and stripling and then they've also got a kind of stud prospect also considered by some to be like a top 10 prospect in the game who's kind of on the doorstep of the majors so the giants strategy and it's not just in the rotation but also their position players and i would even say in their bullpen they just got a lot of depth and so we'll, it's a very interesting comparison between these two teams uh, it's kind of like, will the depth win out over the course of 162, or will it be that high-end talent? And I think it's going to come down to the for the Padres to health. If you lose like three, four key top guys, then I think the Padres are in some trouble, whereas the Giants would be able to withstand that. So, look, I think the Padres are the favorites over the Giants in the division, but... Uh, you know, some projections have them a little closer than you might think. The Zips projections mm -hmm. had the Giants at 88 wins and the Padres at 91. And so it's not far apart. And I can't wait to get the games going and see know, how it man. plays out. I can't wait. I'm so freaking excited for this year. Not to yeah. mention we got World Baseball Classic stuff, too. Yep. A little appetizer. But everybody, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast and the Lockdown Giants podcast. In case of the Padres, might be the only pod better than the Padres themselves. Ben? Give the people a plug. Tell them what, what you got going on before we close this thing out. Well, it's just the daily Locked on Giants podcast, just like Javi's uh, Monday through Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, including on YouTube. And then you can check me out on Twitter at Ben Kaspic, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. And what about you? And me at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. I do a lot of dumb tweets on there that aren't always baseball. So you can check out at L-O underscore Padres and Locked on Padres on YouTube. It's been a blast as always, sir. And all of you folks out there, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. See you next time.